0: day let's look at the Antichrist in the prophets so what you'll notice is that I'm just doing these consecutively on the same day um, and just breaking them up for ease of use so we're going to be looking at Antichrist in the prophets and we learn a lot about the future if we can study the past that's why you always find people trying to rewrite the past Don't know where you come from, definitely not going to know where you're going to. Now, this is important to note. All these prophecies are going to converge in Revelation. It gives us a lot of information about what's coming. So, let's look at the Antichrist in the book of Isaiah. So, in Isaiah chapter 10... Verse 5, the Assyrian, the rod of my anger against Israel, is a possible title of the Antichrist. So let's read it. Verse 5, woe to the Assyrian, the rod of my anger against Israel, the staff in whose hand is my indignation and fury against Israel's disobedience. So that's the first one, the Assyrian, the rod of my anger. Now, we go into the king of Babylon, Isaiah 14 and verse 11 to 20. Um, I've always looked at these passages of scripture and um, we look at how from here we can see the prophet talking about the rebellion of Satan. And then how you see the two different um, aspects of the person described one obviously is a supernatural being and then the other is a human being and this also is a picture of a future antichrist king of babylon past but also a picture of the future antichrist isaiah 14 11 to 20. your pomp and magnificent magnificence has been brought down to sheol Along with the music of your harps, the maggots which prey on the dead are spread out under you as a bed and the worms are your covering, Babylonian rulers. How you have fallen from heaven. Now this obviously gives us a picture of Lucifer. O star of the morning, light bringer, son of the dawn. That's Lucifer. You have been cut down to the ground. You who have weakened the nation's king of Babylon. Now that could be now referring to Lucifer's seed, Satan's seed, seed war, Antichrist. Verse 13. But you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of the assembly in the remote parts of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. But in fact, you will be brought down to Sheol, to the remote recesses of the pit, the reign of the dead. Those who see you will gaze at you. They will consider you, saying, Is this the man who made the earth tremble, who shook the kingdoms, who made the world like a wilderness and overthrew its cities, who did not permit his prisoners to return home? All the kings of the nation, all of them lie dead in glorious array, each one in his own sepulcher. Verse 19, But you, king of Babylon, have been cast out of your tomb, denied burial, like a rejected branch clothed with the slain who are pierced by the sword, who go down to the stones of the pit into which the carcasses are thrown, like a dead body trampled underfoot. You will not be united with them in burial because you have destroyed your land. You have slain your people. May the descendants of evildoers never be named. Now in the next passage, so there we have A possible picture of him as the king of Babylon, but also linked with Satan. And we also have in that Isaiah 14, the famous passage of how Satan fell as well. In Isaiah 16 verse 4, the spoiler, the destroyer. Let our outcasts of Moab live among you. Be a sheltered hiding place to them from the destroyer. For the extortioner has come to an end. Destruction has ceased. Oppressors who trample men have completely disappeared from the land. Isaiah 30, 31-33. Again, the king of Assyria. For as the voice of the Lord, the Assyrians will be terrified when he strikes them with a rod. And every blow of the rod of punishment which the Lord will lay on them, will be to the music of Israel's tambourines and lyres, and in battle banishment banishing weapons. He will fight Assyria. For Topoth in Henon has long been ready. Indeed, it has been prepared for the Assyrian king. He has made it deep and wide, a pit of fire with plenty of wood. The breath of the Lord, like a river of brimstone, blazing sulphur kindles and fans it. Now, in that footnote as of Isaiah th- verse 33, um, Topeth is a pagan site where children were burned as sacrifices to Molech. And so, we, 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 we again, I'm not going to go down the rabbit hole here, but we see child sacrifices today, and we'll see it a lot going in there into that end time period of time. But also, this is associated with the Antichrist. Right let's move on to the book of jeremiah jeremiah 4 verse 7 a lion has left his lair and a destroyer of nations is on his way he has gone out from his place to desolate your land your cities will be in ruins without its inhabitants so we've got one here the link of the lion and also, we've got one here, the destroyer, a destroyer of nations. Much you can see with 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 the Babylonian government, even today, uh, this globalization, this this push for globalization, um, and all the we'll we'll discuss that when we go into uh, Revelation chapter eighteen and nineteen, but there's this push to destroy the nations and gather them all together under one. And so he is a destroyer of nations. Antichrist in Ezekiel, we go back again to another scripture that talks to uh, Lucifer. But here we, we, we look at the Antichrist as a type, the Prince of Tyre as a type, of antichrist so let me get that scripture up there you go Ezekiel 28 2-10 son of man say to the prince of Tyre thus says the Lord God because your heart is lifted up and you have said and thought I am a God I sit in the seat of the gods in the heart of the seas yet you are only a man weak, feeble, made of earth and not God Through you, though you imagine yourself to be more than mortal and think your mind is is wise as the mind of God, behold, you are imagining yourself wiser than Daniel. There is no secret you think that is hidden from you. With your own wisdom and with your own understanding, you have acquired your riches and power and have brought gold and silver into your treasuries." But your great wisdom and by your trade you have increased, by your great wisdom, sorry, and by your trade you have increased your riches and power. And your heart is proud and arrogant because of your wealth. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, because you have imagined your mind to be like the mind of God, having thoughts and plans like God himself. Therefore, behold, I will bring strangers, Babylonians upon you, the most ruthless and violent violent of the nations, And they will draw their swords against the beauty of your wisdom, O Tyre, and defile your splendor. And we move on to verse 8. They will bring you down to the pit of destruction, and you will die the death of those who die in the heart of the seas. Will you still say, I am a God, in the presence of Him who kills you? But you are only a man made of the earth and not God. In the hands of those who wound and profane you, you will die the death of the uncircumcised barbarian by the hands of strangers. For I have spoken, says the Lord God. And then we move on to Daniel. Daniel probably gives us more information about the Antichrist in uh, in comparison to any other passage or book of the Bible barring Revelation. Chapter 725, he will speak words against the Most High and wear down the saints of the Most High and he will intend to change the times and the laws and they will be given into his hands for a time, two times and half a time which is three and a half years. So he is going to prosper for a period of time. He's going to prosper for three and a half years. And have, have his rule at that whole time and, and, and really go against God's people. Specifically the Jews, specifically Israel. Daniel chapter 8, 19. He said, Behold, I'm going to let you know what will happen during the final time of the indignation and wrath of God upon the ungodly. For its concerns, the appointed time of the end. Now, I want to compare that going back with, uh, with, with um, two passages in Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 10, verse 25. For yet a very little while, and my indignations against you will be fulfilled, and my anger will be directed towards the destruction of the Assyrian. So God is going to be punishing Israel for its disobedience and unbelief. And eventually, this period of time, this seven years, is to turn Israel back towards himself. And once that takes place, Isaiah 10, 25 is going to fulfill. He's going to turn his attention to the Assyrian, to the Antichrist, in my view. Let me read that again. Verse 25, Isaiah 10. For yet a very little while, and my indignation against you will be fulfilled, and my anger will be directed towards the destruction of the Assyrian. And then Isaiah 26:20, 20, Come, my people, enter your chambers and shut your doors behind you. Hide for a little while until the Lord's wrath is passed. So what you see taking place is all that all of this is going to happen. This destruction, this rulership of the Antichrist under the sovereign authority of God Almighty. And that's why he's laughing at them. They think they control things. They think they're going to break away. They think they're going to do this, that and the other. But God is allowing them to get away with all of this stuff. And he's mocking them, laughing at them while they're doing this. Now, in Daniel chapter 11, Daniel gives a full explanation of the character and the career of this future Antichrist that will come. Let's have a look at it. Daniel eleven, thirty-six to 39. Then the king, the Antichrist, will do exactly as he pleases. He will exalt himself and magnify himself above every god and will speak astounding and disgusting things against the god of gods and he will prosper until the indignation is finished. Remember what I read in, in Isaiah 10? For yet a very little while my indignation against you will be fulfilled. My anger will be directed then against the Assyrian. So here... What we see here is the Antichrist is going to be allowed to do exactly as he pleases, to exalt himself, to magnify himself above every God, speak terrible things against God, prosper until this indignation is finished. For that which is deemed by God will be done. Verse 37, he will have no regard for the God gods of his fathers or for the desire of women nor will he have regard for any other gods for he shall magnify himself above them all instead he will honor a god of fortresses a god whom his fathers did not know he will honor him with gold and silver with precious stones and with the exp- expensive things he will act against the strongest fortresses with the help of a foreign god He will give great honor to those who acknowledge him and he will cause them to rule over many and will parcel out land for a price. The coming king, verse 36. Then the king, the Antichrist, will do exactly as he pleases. So, here he is the king, the Antichrist. He is the coming ruler. The Word then, this word then, seems to signal a leap in time to a distant future, as this whole context indicates. So, this king, then, the king is going to do as he pleases. There's going to be no higher authority in the world during this period of time than this king this Antichrist. 7.23 Thus said the angel, the fourth beast shall be a fourth kingdom on the earth which will be different from all the other kingdoms and it will devour the whole earth and tread it down and crush it. Compare that with Revelation chapter 13 verse 1 to 10. Uh, we're just going to read verse 1. So shouldn't have that 1 to 10 there, just verse 1. And the dragon Satan stood on the sandy shore of the sea. And really get that mixed up. Stood sandy shore sea. <laughs> and the dragon Satan stood on the sandy shore of the sea. Then I saw a vicious beast coming up out of the sea with ten horns and seven heads. And on his horns were ten royal crowns, diadems, and on his heads were blasphemous names. This is this is the description prophetic description of this individual. Daniel 11.37, he will have no regard for the God of his fathers or for the desire of women, nor will he have regard for any other God, for he shall magnify himself above all of them. Now, this verse gives us information about the ruler's religious convictions. Um, the phrase the God of his fathers is seems similar to the one that occurs in Scripture, which describes the God of the Jews. So, this has led some interpreters to conclude that this king will be a Jew. He'll be of Jewish origin. Um, However, it, it, it could be, but there is also another argument with regards to this interpretation. So the phrase does not require this interpretation because the name God or Elohim is a general word for God. The covenant name of the God of Israel is Yahweh. So you have Elohim which is a general name in Hebrew for God. Man is a general name for humans of the male gender man or men Elohim God Yahweh is the God of creation it's the covenant God of the Jews now rather than the covenant name this could just be the general name of God stressing you know not stressing His relationship to the jewish people so you you can see where you can go with this so what i normally do is i keep these options open i don't close them down because only when i get to a specific point where the revelation becomes more clearer when the prophecy becomes more clearer that's when i will start to basically say oh okay uh, you know you can see this man is of jewish origin or you can see this man's of a gentile origin but doesn't follow the god of his father's so this word can be translated gods, it can be translated God. We just I, I I personally just don't know. So the God of his fathers, he could be of Jewish origin, he could be of Gentile origin. I just I just don't know at this point in time. Let's move on to another verse of scripture. Um Daniel 7 verse 8 uh, and verse 24. From this, it would seem that he could also be a Roman. Being that we're looking at a possible revived Roman Empire where the center of his power is going to come out of Europe, he could be of European descent where the Roman Empire so it could be anything as well but also from that um, origin verse 8 while I was considering the horns behold there came up among them another horn a little horn and three of the first horns were pulled up by the roots before it and behold in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man and the mouth boasting of great things as for the ten horns verse 24 Out of this kingdom, ten kings will arise, and another will arise after them, and he will be different from the former ones, and he will subdue them. Three kings. He will subdue three kings. So, he could be Jewish Roman. Look at Paul, the apostle. So hold these loosely, you know. The, the, the this description of him in these verses doesn't, doesn't make it clear, but what I'm trying to do for you is to give you as much information as I can so that when you are looking to identify the Antichrist according to Thessalonians, you you have a better understanding because you've got more knowledge in which to filter this through now it's probable that the angel meant that this king will abandon the religion that he grew up with whatever that religion may have been and he's going to do this because he is now going to set himself up as the object of worship in the place of all gods so I want you to think about this now through humanism and through, through the work of the spirit of Antichrist, everything has been drawn together in the religious world to unify all religions through the World Council of Churches, etc., etc. And so eventually, the World Council of Churches is going to transition into a world church with the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, the remnant outside of it, this world church is going to persecute the remnant. At a specific point in time, the false prophet who's leading the world church is now going to point to this man and say, this is now God. This is God incarnate. And so whatever religious background he has, he's going to shed it. And now he's going to come into the, the, the situation where he is now going to become God incarnate. Um, the next section of that passage is difficult for me to, to basically work my head around this desire of woman. Now there are quite a few views of this and I'm not fixed on anyone as I said before because in many of these instances I just hold these things very loosely in my hands until I can solidify the information that I have into one specific thought path or another. So the first one may be in reference to the Messiah. Um, It was the supreme desire of every godly Jewish woman uh, to bear the Messiah, to be the one that would bear the Messiah. So it may be in reference somehow or other in reference to that. Another view is with regards to Temazu, Adonis. So this is a pagan goddess in Daniel's day that uh, woman found very attractive. So it could be in, 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 in light of that one. Um, other people believe that the meaning of this is that this king will not have a desire for women. Some will speculate that he'll be abusive towards women. Um, and you're looking at the homosexual, transgender issues that are going on right now. Could be a gender issue. I'm not sure. I'm not sure which one, which one this would be. With all that's involved with regards to the gender world, um, I think it would, it could possibly involve the third view. Um, so of the three, my tendency is towards that one. Who knows? Who knows? I just don't know at this point in time. All right. Next scripture, 1138. Instead, he will honor a God of fortresses, a God whom his fathers did not know. He will honor him with gold and silver, with precious stones and expensive things. Now, a possible interpretation for this is that what this king will really trust in is a God who he believes can give him military success. Now, I'm going to go down the rabbit hole a little bit, down and um, just talk very quickly about sort of the, the, the possible message that will, will be given to humankind with regards to aliens. So let's talk about aliens a little bit. This, the, 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 the revelation of an alien invasion. Jesus Christ is coming to invade. He is coming in. He's going to put himself up as the savior of mankind. He is now going to get help from another alien race. So we have the descents, descent to the planet <coughs> of the fallen angels that are going to manifest themselves. We've got the opening up of the abyss and those armies coming out. And uh, we've got all kinds of supernatural things taking place in and around the beginning of the, of the of the beginning of the great tribulation period of time. And so, a possible thing coming out would be: here is a man that's going to get the help of alien forces to fight against the coming invasion, and the God that he will. Serve will be the God that will give him military success. So, that's just a speculation. That's just a speculation. It's just something that I keep in my head. I don't say it's truth. I don't say whatever. I just keep my options open with regards to what I'm listening to and what I'm hearing coming through the media, coming through the entertainment industry, hearing what the enemy is saying, etc., etc. So, he will honor his God by spending money to build the greatest military army that the world has ever seen to combat the coming of Jesus Christ. Verse 39 He will act against the strongest fortresses with the help of a foreign God. And he will give great honor to those who acknowledge him. And he will cause them to rule over many. And he will pass like land for a price. So the foreign God referred to here in this verse, maybe the God of of military might mentioned in the previous verse. Alternatively, it could be a foreign god that he uses for his own ends. could be himself. Antiochus Epiphanes, which was a type of Antichrist that was in the Intertestament period that also Daniel prophesied about, uh, he was a ruler that rewarded people who were loyal to him uh, uh, with with a land and with riches and honors etc and, and 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 giving them authority as well and so this is a pattern that you'll see if you study Antiochus Epiphanes and what he did in the days of the Maccabees etc and 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 you will see there a type of how the Antichrist is going to be bringing people together and bringing world leaders together as he coerces them as he bribes them as he honors them uh, he's going to do it exactly like Antiochus did the patterns already set Another possibility is that he's going to reward these people with lands for those who are faithful to him. Okay, verse 40 to 45. At the end time, the king of the south will push and attack him, the Antichrist, and the king of the north will storm against him with chariots and horsemen and with many ships, And he will enter countries, overwhelm them, and pass through. He shall also enter the beautiful and glorious land Israel, and many countries will fall. But these will be rescued out of his hand, Edom, Moab, and the foremost core of the people of Ammon. Then he will stretch out his hand against other countries, but Egypt will not be among the ones which escape. Verse 43. He will have power over the treasuries of gold and silver and over all the precious things of Egypt. And the Libyans and the Ethiopians will follow in his footsteps. But rumors from the east and from the north will alarm and disturb him, and he will set out with great fury to destroy and to annihilate many. He will pitch his palatial tents between the seas and the glorious holy mountain Zion. Yet he will come to his end with no one to help him in the final battle with God. So, let's just have a look at verse 40. At the end time, the king of the south will push and attack him, the Antichrist. The king of the north will storm against him with chariots and the horsemen and with many ships. And he will enter countries, overwhelming them, and pass through. At the end, finally the. The, the, you know the end will come and this king will f- will be will be the focus of, of of an attack from a king from the south verse 42 and 43 a power south of Israel what I think and there will also be a king to the north of Israel as well so apparently this attack is simultaneous so there's a pensive movement now this king is neither the king of the south nor the king of the north himself especially in view of verse 9 chapter 9 verse 26 he will probably be a western a western ruler the little horn rising up out of a revived roman empire We see that in chapter 7, verse 8, and verse 24. So in Daniel chapter 26, we read these words. Then after the sixty-two weeks of years, the anointed one will be cut off and denied his messianic kingdom, and have nothing and no one to defend him. And the people of the other prince will come who is to who who is to come will destroy the city and their sanctuary. Its end will come with a flood. Even to the end, there will be war, desolations are determined. So here, that's why I say his origin would probably be Western orientated, Western influenced, Western Europe influenced, the old revived Roman Empire. Daniel chapter 7. While I was considering the horns, behold, there came up among them another horn, a little one, and three of the first horns were pulled up by the roots before it. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth boasting of great things. Verse 24. As for the ten horns, out of this kingdom ten kings will arise, and another will arise after them. And he will uh, will be different from the former ones, and he will subdue three kings. So what we have here is a conf- is a conflict and this conflict is going to be really great. But the, 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 the ruler described in verse 30, 36 to 39 is going to come in and invade a lot of countries. He's going to overwhelm them and pass on through them to conquer others. Ezekiel describes... A great military force descending on Israel from the far north in the future. And you can read that in Ezekiel 38 and 39, which is the Armageddon uh, prophecies. So Ezekiel doesn't mention a power from the south. Part of the fulfillment of Ezekiel's prophecy is probably the same invasion, probably, possibly, that Daniel records here. This aspect of the fulfillment will probably occur in the second half of the tribulation, the time of Jacob's troubles, when Israel is suffering intense persecution. So this is the final moves of the Antichrist prior to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ in Revelation uh, 19.19. So in verse 41 of Daniel chapter 11, He shall also enter the beautiful and glorious land Israel, and many countries will fall, but these will be rescued out of his hand, Edom, Moab, and the foremost core of the people of Ammon. So the Antichrist is going to enter Israel, and many there are going to fall before his forces. He's also going to be defeating other countries in addition to Israel. And he will probably enter Israel after he breaks the covenant of Israel, with Israel. Now remember, the seven years begins with a covenant with him and Israel. Halfway through the seven years, he breaks that covenant. And this is where I think all these wars now start to take place. Because halfway through the breaking of the covenant, he now assumes authority as the God of this world antichrist he reveals himself as who he is and and all the things in motion everything sets up that last three and a half years everything is set up now to head towards revelation 19:19. so all the power play that's taking place now is to get him and his armies into israel to prevent jesus christ from coming down to touch onto the mount of olives so there are a there will be a few areas that he does not overpower And these are the territories of Edom, Moab, and Ammon. Now, those territories lie to the east and south of Israel. Jordan occupies this region. The foremost of the sons of Ammon probably refers to the best parts of that. Let's move on to uh, verse 42. Then he will stretch out his hand against other countries, but Egypt will will not be among the ones which escape. He will have power over the treasuries of gold and silver and over all the precious things of Egypt, and the Libyans and the Ethiopians will follow his footsteps. So this ruler will press his attack against other countries, particularly Egypt. It's going to fall to his control. He's going to plunder the treasuries of Egypt, And he's going to be bringing those living in the ancient territories of Libya and Ethiopia under his control. And they lie to the south of Israel. Verse 44 to 45. But rumors from the east and from the north will alarm and disturb him. And he will set out with great fury to destroy and to annihilate many. He will pitch his palatial tents between the seas and the glorious mountain Zion, yet he will come to his end with no one to help him in his final battle with God. So rumors of the enemy's armies from the east and from the north will cause him to kill more and more people. Um, Let's have a look at this passage of scripture here in Revelation chapter 9. The sixth angel sounded his trumpet and i heard a solitary voice from the four horns of the golden altar which stand before god saying to the sixth angel who had yet who had the the trumpet release the four angels who are bound at the great river euphrates so the four angels who had been prepared for the appointed hour and day and month and year were released to kill a third of mankind the number of the troops of cavalry were twice ten thousand times ten thousand two hundred million I heard the number of them. Verse 17 And this is how I saw the horses and their riders in my vision. The riders had breastplates, the color of the fire, and of the hyacinth, sapphire blue, and of the brimstone yellow, and the heads of the horses looked like the heads of lions. And from out of their mouths came fire and smoke and brimstone, burning sulphur a third of mankind was killed by these three plagues by the fire and by the smoke and by the brimstone that came out of the mouth of the horses for the power of the horses to do harm is in their mouths and in their tails for their tails are like the serpents and have heads and it was with them that they do harm <coughs> and then we move on to verse 20 the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent even then of the works of their hands so as to cease worshipping and paying homage to the demons and the idols of gold and of silver and of bronze and of stone and of wood which can neither see nor be heard nor walk and they did not repent of their murders nor their sorceries, drugs and, 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 and intoxications nor of their sexual immorality nor of their thefts. thefts. Revelation 12, sorry, Revelation sixteen twelve. Then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river, the the Euphrates, and his waters was dried up so that the way would be prepared for the coming of the kings of the east. Daniel 11.40 At the end time, the king of the south will push and attack him, the Antichrist, and the king of the north will storm against him with chariots and horsemen and with many ships, and he will enter countries overwhelming them as they pass through. And then finally in Zechariah 13.8 it will come about in all the land, declares the Lord. Two parts in it will be cut off and perish, but the third will be left alive. So that, so this talks about a tremendous conflict in the nation of Israel. The, 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 this converging of armies um, and the death toll at that point in time is going to start to rise in one of three with regards to people dying so he returns to Israel evidently his headquarters is go, uh, is now going to be in Jerusalem he is replacing Jesus that's where Jesus is going to set up his throne so he's going to set up his throne there and he's going to try and prevent the real king of Israel of the divinic line from actually taking his throne and that's where we get the Armageddon battle So it's there that he's going to be defeated. Later, Revelation says that Jesus Christ will return from heaven and it's there that he's going to be utterly destroyed. You can read that in Revelation chapter 19, verse 19 to 20. I'm not going to read it. And then also you can read that in Zechariah chapter 14, verses 1 to 4. Now, let's move on. Antichrist in Hosea. Yes, even though with presence they hire allies among the nations, nor will I gather them up, and in a little while they will begin to grow weak and diminish because of the burden imposed by the king of princes, the king of Assyria. So there there again we get a picture, a type we then go on and we start to study the antichrist in the book of Joel so Joel seems to describe him as the head of a northern army which shall which which is basically going to overflow and magnify things all right that was my wife giving me a phone call from school so <laughs> let me Get back to where I was, which is Joel, head of the northern army. And um, he really, in this passage of scripture, you're going to really see how he uh, magnifies himself. Joel chapter 2 20. But I will remove the northern army far away from you and I will drive it into a parched and desolate land with its forward guard into the eastern sea, the Dead Sea and with its rear guard into the western sea, the Mediterranean Sea and its stench will rise and its foul odor of decay will come up. This is the fate of the northern army in the final days of the Lord for he has done great things. So... This could possibly be a picture of the destruction of the Armageddon battle of the Antichrist. The next passage of scripture that we're going to be looking at is a verse of scripture in the book of Amos. So Amos seems to give him the term adversary, which is also the term of the devil, the name of the devil. But he is obviously the seed of Satan, son of the devil. Did the devil incarnate in my view so here in verse 11 of chapter 3 therefore thus says the lord of god an adversary assyria again even everyone surrounding the land shall pull down your strength from you and your fortresses will be looted going into the book of micah micah seems to make mention of him in uh, chapter 5 verse 6 They shall devastate the land of Assyria with the sword and the land of Nimrod within her own gates. And he the Messiah shall rescue us from the Assyrian or enemy nations when he attacks our land and when he tramples our territory. In the book of Nahum, Nahum foretells of his destruction in Nahum chapter 1 verse 15. Behold, On the mountains the feet of him who brings good news telling of Assyria's destruction who announces peace and prosperity celebrate your feasts O Judah perform your vows for the wicked one the king of Assyria will never again pass through you he is completely cut off and in Habakkuk he speaks of the proud man So in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 5, Moreover, wine is treacherous and betrays the arrogant man, or the proud man, so that he does not stay at home. His appetite is large like Sheol, and he is like death, never satisfied. He gathers to himself all nations and collects to himself all peoples, as if he owned them. And then our final Old Testament passage that I'm going to give to you is in Zechariah. So Zechariah describes him as the idle shepherd upon whom God pronounces a woe. Now remember woe is a specific judgment that is bad. So in Zechariah 11 verse 17 woe judgment is coming to the worthless and foolish shepherd who deserts the flock. The sword will strike his arm and his right eye. His arm shall be totally withered and his right eye completely blinded. That's it for the Old Testament. In the next section, we're going to be looking at the Antichrist in the Gospels and the Epistles. Well, that's it for now. God bless.